Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined as always by Raheem Palmer. We are here to talk Sixers. Raheem, how are you doing? I'm great. I can't complain. I mean, when you look at this Philadelphia 76ers team right now, we've won 16 out of the last 20 games and we're 3-0 on this West Coast road trip. So I can't complain at all. Life is good. We have a lot of uh, stuff to catch up on because I've been to two Sixers games in the last few nights. I went and saw them beat the Lakers on Sunday, and then I went and saw the Sixers beat the Clippers last night at the Crypto, at the Crypt. Uh, Raheem, I was thinking of you last night, man, because uh, these dudes were sitting behind me. I feel like they were in high school, kind of, um, because they, they, they kept referring to like what time their dad needed them home by. But they were really agitated, these three kids. There was one kid in the middle um, who just kept, like, just was really vexed. And every time Harden got it, he'd be like, shoot it! Shoot! Shoot! Oh so finally, in, like, the second quarter, I was just like, yo, man, do you have him in fantasy or something? And he's like, no, bro. I have this crazy bet. Harden made threes th- over three. I get $600. And I was like, I wish Raheem was here. Oh, my God. <laughs> tell me if this kid was made a good deal. He did not. They, Harden did not make three threes, and this kid left in the third quarter. It was really funny. They were like, my dad needs the car. We got to go home. Oh, man. I mean, you know, the state of sports betting right now is just everybody is playing props. It's like it's, it's gotten to a place to where now everybody's playing these parlays. Um, Shouts to our sponsor, FanDuel. Um, yeah. You know, playing these same game parlays. But I think the one thing people don't realize is that you actually can play an under. Like you don't. Yes. Like <laughs> not everybody's going to like go over their made threes, over their rebounds, over their assists. This is actually positive expectation to play under. So um, it did. It did give me a little peek into our future, though, where uh, 
It's going to be interesting to see our emotional state when we have to really, really, really depend on James Harden. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in a playoff game and you're like rooting for Harden and you're like, please do it. Do it. <laughs> Play well. <laughs> We're all going to be that high school kid looking for the for the made threes over. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, we still we still got some moss from them so we can prepare ourselves mentally. <laughs> well, let's let's prepare ourselves mentally by 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 like really really soaking up these W's that we're getting. So, like, West Coast trips, no matter which way you cut it, you know, whether it's, like, a Lakers team without Anthony Davis, whether it's the Jazz team that's sort of come back to earth, whether it's this Clippers team that, honestly, they, they stink, man. Like, that that was just... I've seen the Clippers twice in a few nights, and there's something wrong with that team. There's something just, like, off with their chemistry or their vibe. We can talk a little bit about some of the opponents. But the Sixers never made it look pretty, but they just keep racking up W's. You know, and so I wanted to see what your impressions were of last night. There's always this thing with the L.A. flu when teams come to L.A. and get a couple of nights in the city where like maybe the first night they play OK. But after a couple of nights going out, there's a little bit of a little bit of a literal hangover following them around. I thought the Sixers played sharper on uh, last night on Tuesday night against the Clippers than they did on Sunday night against the, the Lakers. Granted, they had come in late from Utah, I think, on Saturday night, so they might have been a little bit tired from a, a back-to-back there. But what did you see with, from the team specifically against the Clippers? I felt like the, the Sixers, I mean, this is probably one of their best wins. I, I, I texted you guys yesterday um, that the Sixers were going to lose this game. And like a quarter into it, I was like, I got this one wrong. I, I thought the L.A. flu would hit them. I just thought that this was a game that the Clippers needed to win. And you you actually saw the effort level from the Clippers. But, I mean, the one thing I will say about this game that was, like, really impressive is everybody stepped up. I mean, except for Harden, really. I mean, when you look at Tobias Harris, he was tremendous on defense. I mean, like, there's always been struggles with Tobias's defense. But, I mean, he went out there and... He got a bunch of steals. Um, when you look at Joel Embiid, obviously he was dominant, 41 points. Like, you you can't ask for more from him. When you look at Tyrese Maxey, the bench unit was really, like, to me, that was the key to the game. They won the nine. Yeah, we'll talk about that. They won the nine Embiid minutes. So when you win the nine Embiid minutes, it, it just makes things a lot easier for So I just I just thought it was a, a total team effort that was I was I'm extremely impressed with when you look at the sharp markets like I mean when you look at the mark the betting markets that line actually opened Clippers plus two and it closed Clippers minus two so that tells you a lot of the sharp betters were on the Clippers and the Sixers pulled it off anyway so I was really impressed with this point yeah you mentioned them winning the Embiid moments they win the Embiid moments with with Harden scoring six points so we could start with Harden um you know I was excited to Get, I, got, I had better seats for the Clippers game, and I was excited to get like a more up-close and personal view, not only of Harden's playmaking, running the offense, but also just like his vibe with the team. His vibe with the team was fine. Like It's pretty much James Harden every time I've seen him, which is kind of like doing his own thing. The, the wild thing was, was just like, whether you would say it was like the Kawhi, Paul George, Norm Powell, everybody, them, them throwing their big wings at Harden to guard him, or whether you would say he just didn't feel like shooting. He just didn't really look for his own shot at all and on top of that most of his passes seemed to be behind the back or through the legs like he was just going straight globetrotter on them last night uh with about i would say like a 40 percent success rate with these like hollywood passes that being said he draws a lot of attention um and he really does he is the metronome for the offense like you can just see he and Embiid are developing this pick and roll 
pick and pop chemistry that is probably going to be the bread and butter play in the postseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, like, I think that's the one thing that you like. I don't think MB has ever played with a playmaker as good as James Hart. I know Ben Simmons could pass the ball, but his inability to shoot makes it a lot easier um, to defend. And when you have to guard that James Hart and and be pick and pop and James Harden can, you know, shoot the three or he could dish it off. It's, it's scary. So, um, I think the sky's the limit for this offense. I mean, last night, I mean, they, they scored 114 points per hundred possessions in the half court, which is in the 91st percentile of all NBA games. And if there's one thing that you could say about this Clippers team is that even though they can't score, this is still the ninth best defense in the league in terms of defensive rating so i mean that says yeah, a lot and reputationally they have two of the best defenders in the league right and Kawhi and paul george yeah i mean and, and granted i mean you know mb kills small ball so that 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 takes away i mean he he killed zubach too so it didn't really matter <laughs> they tried to throw a lot of different stuff i'll say this too with the the harden and bp and r uh i feel like Embiid, who ended with 41 i believe right mm-hmm I think he left like eight points out there from mishandled Harden passes, like passes that he was like either either he dropped or he wasn't quite like ready for. And a couple of lobs like where he was like, oh, do I flush this? Like he got a couple, but this is like he scored 41 points. Harden had uh, Harden had nine assists. Yeah. Yeah. And but I would say if you just showed somebody the tape of the game and not the stats and not the result, you'd probably be like, Oh wow. They left some stuff out there. Like they, there's room to improve on a 41 point night. That's what's wild about where Embiid is right now. Oh yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, like the thing about Embiid right now is just like, he's in a class of his own. I mean, this is his 15th game of the season with at least 35 points (laughs) and like centers not named Embiid have just 10 of those games. Like, and this is also his eighth 40 point game of the season. So that's top for the most in the Eastern Conference and top for second in the league. So, you know, outside of like Luca, like, I don't think there's anybody who, who's scoring on his level right now. So um, it's, it's scary. It's really, it's interesting to watch him live because it, it felt like, you know, one of the things I think that as a Sixers fan you get frustrated with is watching him beat hit the deck, right? Like, is it every time you're like, oh my God, did he did some, did he tear something, he breaks something, something happened. And you can see live how much it's really actually a component of his game mm-hmm. because it's his way of selling contact is to basically like stop, drop, and roll uh, and, and take contact and make the most of it by hitting the deck. Now, you know, whether or not that makes a lot of sense in the playoffs where the whistles might be a little tighter and you wind up being on your butt when the team has got a fast break going the other way, we could get into that. But I thought it was just really watching a guy who is in control of pretty much every part of the offensive part of basketball. Like, shoot threes, shoot mid-range, bang down low, finish pick and rolls, can be the dive man, like, can just do every single thing on the basketball court. And... You know, I didn't think he didn't really I didn't really feel like he was doing a lot of passing out of doubles. I thought the Sixers ball movement was really good last night, mm-hmm. but it just felt like that was a a real like they know how to execute on offense when he's on the floor at a high 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 level. And this and the numbers back it up like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Um I I just think I mean, the Sixers are the one thing I've seen from the Sixers all year is that they're they're going to have an elite offense. I mean, and you know, like their 10th best offensive rating right now, it's probably like 
that's depressed right now, just in the sense that because they know, haven't had their guys. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, over the last two weeks, they're scoring 122 points per one possession. So we know that this offense is going to be elite. And then when it gets to the playoffs, you have two guys in Embiid and Harden who are going to get to the free throw line and put your best team, best players in foul trouble. So I, I think you know we're in a good place offensively. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. So we could talk about some of the role players. We could talk about any observations you might have from the last few nights. I'll tell you a quick story, though, to start our conversation about the non-Embiid Harden Sixers. Mm -hmm. So on Sunday night, uh, as I was getting to the game, I saw the announcement that the starting lineup that Maxi was not going to be starting. So we get to the game, and the Lakers are doing the, the opposing team starting five, and the announcer's like, and starting it. Guard from Kentucky, Tyrese Maxey. And he's like sitting on the bench and the camera, the in arena camera cuts to him. And he just kind of makes the like, nah, it's not me. Like hand gesture underneath his chin across his neck. Mm -hmm. And so the they, they thought that Tyrese was going to start. He handled it fine, but he was still kind of like, I'm not starting. You know, like it was, it was like sort of an awkward moment. Mm -hmm. That was the last awkward moment because this kid has definitely responded to what could have been some adversity of, of losing your place somewhat as a as a uh, result of your injury and more like he's the he's the person who's sacrificing here in terms of like he, you know you you lose the the cachet of starting in the NBA yeah um you know that could change the perception of Tyrese Maxey I mean I think most people would be like he's a starting point guard Tyrese Maxey himself has said in the last couple of nights I'm a starting guard I'm a starter in this league yeah but he's He's doing what's right for the team. There's been a little bit of like confusion about whether this was Doc's idea or Maxie's idea. I think Doc was like, Maxie texted me and said he would come off the bench. And that's the kind of kid he is. But Maxie was like, I kind of felt like I had to be the bigger person here. Or I had to like make the, you know, just let people know that I was okay with it. Either way, he basically, with the exception of Embiid, won the game for the Sixers last night when the, when the Clippers were making a little bit of a push. Maxi like absolutely blew them out of the water in the fourth quarter last night. It was really awesome to watch him last night. Oh yeah, I mean without a doubt. I mean when he like he basically like at the end of the third quarter, the Sixers were down and then MB I mean Maxi draws the foul. I mean he gives them the lead and then that momentum from the end of the third quarter just carried over and the the Clippers were just done. I mean he had a team best plus 23 last night, um 22 points and it's just like I like what he adds to the bench unit. I just think 
this team is going to score if you got Hart and MB and shooters out there. So getting that bench mob together, I mean, it makes things scary. And I also think you have another creator for Montrezl Harrell. Um, yeah. And I, I just think that makes us much more dangerous. I mean, also Shake was in, in some of those um, those bench units. So I, I really like what we're seeing from this bench this bench unit. The one thing I will say is that, you know, we had issues with perimeter defense with Maxi and Harden out there. I think they were giving up 113 points per one to possessions. Um, I still want to see that lineup a little bit more. Just Do be- you? Yeah, just because... I mean, we haven't had so, we haven't had much time with the starting lineup. So, between I mean, I guess this is a pretty uh, simple question, but like, where would the improvement come from? Uh, I don't know if it's going to come defensively, but I I mean, because I my biggest thing is I expect us to we're going to have moments where we close with that lineup. Yeah, and I think so that. Absolutely. I mean, like that's the one of the things Doc's been talking about is that there's starting lineups and there's closing lineups, and he's going to be using a bunch of them. Yeah. So it's just like, as much as I like Maxi coming off the bench, I still want to see you know these lineups play you know heavily, just because when when it, when it comes time for the playoffs, I want to see if we're actually going to be able to get some stops with it. <laughs> what do you think of Doc's approach here, which seems to be whether it's official or stated or not? I would say a small, a smaller rotation. So basically, the rotation right now, last night's starting lineup was uh, Melton, Harden, and Beat Harris, Tucker, and then the bench guys getting real minutes were Maxi, Nyang, and Milton. Uh, then Harold got twelve, Thibel got eight. That's pretty much the guys who played, right? So Daniel House out of the rotation, Paul Reed out of the rotation, Ferk out of the rotation, Springer getting two minutes of garbage time. So he has this eight-man rotation essentially which is pretty close to what you'll have in the the playoffs yeah maybe maybe a little bit smaller than that but he's using a bunch of different um variations on that eight right like there's the starters there's he's already said that there will be different starting lineups depending on the comp like the opponent and then tucker has been getting benched in the fourth quarter here and there uh like whether or not and, and doc has said like well that depends on whether or not there's somebody quote unquote for pj to guard uh, and if there's not, we don't really need him out there taking up space. But I think that it's been interesting to watch Doc juggle a limited amount of players in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. I, I mean, I do like PJ not playing very many fourth quarter minutes. I think that's a that's a positive when you need to score. Um, it's just not it's, it's tough to have him out there if he's not hitting any threes. So I, I, I kind of agree with that move. But, you know, I'm. I always criticize Doc for this. I just, I do wish we could see Paul Reed more. I just think being able to put him out there on the floor and developing him, you just don't know what he could bring to the table in a playoff scenario if Joel Embiid gets in foul trouble um, and you know you can't play Montrezl Harrell. So I just, I hate the fact that he's not getting any minutes. I think that's the only, that's my only real criticism of how he's handling these lineups right now. I'm not, I don't really have the cap numbers in front of me, but I, I've started to develop a little bit of a theory that the giving up on Paul Reed means that there's like an incoming backup five, it, whether it's at the trade di- deadline or in the bio market. It's because like it, it would be pretty criminal for him not to develop Paul. Yeah. During this season, if they had any intention of playing him down the stretch, 
the idea that like Paul Reed will all of a sudden become like this capable backup five in the last few months of the season is pretty ludicrous. So I kind of wonder whether or not there's like a Daryl Doc understanding that whether it's like a guy on the buyout market, whether it's like a Drummond or something like that, or whether it's whether it's a trade that they make. It, that that there's some some help is coming as a, as an MB backup and and just like playing Montrez is okay. I mean, can we even say that? Because I mean, we're talking about a guy who got fired for playing Montrez, <laughs> so it's just. <laughs> I mean, I have faith in in Daryl, but it's just I, I'm struggling to. I mean, with the way that they put they play Montrez and, and Montrez was playing, but he's been playing better lately. Um, yeah. so I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. I mean, the the trade deadline is going to be really interesting because on the same side as the coin, on the opposite side of the coin of like, well, who can the Sixers add? And where, like, could they get some perimeter defense? Could they get a backup five? There's some chatter about some cost cutting going on, some some tax dodging, no, not tax dodging, but luxury tax dodging, and maybe seeing Ferk or uh, Springer or Shake on the way out because because they, they, they want to get under a certain line. What would you what would you think if that was the kind of move that got made here in Philly at the deadline? I think it would be very disappointing, honestly. I mean, I mean, I look at it like this. This is, we don't know what's going to happen with Harden here. Embiid is in the prime of his career. I don't think we should be making moves to cut the tax at this time. I mean, we're third in the Eastern Conference and we haven't been healthy. Um, and... You know, I, I do think the Celtics are probably a tier above us. Um, you could probably say the same for the Bucks, even though they've been struggling. But you got to go for it. Um, so I don't really want to be seeing any tax cutting moves at this point in time. I know the economy yeah. is bad, but I mean, it's time to go for it. So um, economy is bad. And it sounds like the Sixers owner wants to buy the commanders. Oh, Not really? Has anything to do with it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Josh Harris. It, I didn't know that. And they're running to buy the commanders. Yeah. Damn. Which would be an interesting owning an Atlantic Division NBA team and an, an a rival NFC East team would be an interesting spot for Josh and, Harris and owning like a rival hockey team. He owns the 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 Devils as well, so it's right. He just runs the the, the Northeast Corridor Sports. <laughs> um, what else did you have you seen from this uh, this road trip that you thought was pretty notable? I, I mean, like, I think the thing that really jumped out at me was all jokes about LA flu aside is. It's a professional trip. You know, these guys have done a good job. Um, you know, they have Portland on Thursday. They have the Kings on Saturday. And then they have a few days off before they get Brooklyn at home next Wednesday. They've done... They, they can now go home with a winning record on the on the road for this trip, which I think is, like, job well done. Yeah. Um, like, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, like, honestly, I just didn't expect us to get through this road trip three and oh right now like that was shocking to me um and you know even though i was like i was a little disappointed with the the performance against the lakers it, it came on a back-to-back so um and and a, and a game in which they played in utah which is a tough place to play and you know they needed yeah. a, a game winner to do that so i'm just impressed with this team right now i just i, I think they're showing that they're they belong in the contender category and that's that's all you can really ask for um I don't know if I have. It was much- cruise control last night. I was like really impressed. I mean, like the first two games of this trip with the Jazz and the Lakers games were way more nail biting, and way more like, oh god, we're we gonna pull this out. And like, there were so many weird calls in the Lakers game against the Lakers, basically uh, that could have gone the other way. But to see them last night, 
regardless of what you think the Clippers title potential is, and a lot of people preseason thought that they were, they were like going to go to the NBA finals if they were healthy. Uh, I just felt like the Sixers like were never really in danger of losing that game. They were down like a couple here and there, but for the most part, you know, the Embiid dominance in the first half and then sticking with it. And then Maxi literally like three times down the court in a row scored 11 straight points for the Sixers in the fourth. And Maxi pretty much like locked the game away. You know, like it was just like every time they'd go down the floor and Maxi would just hit like some three. He was like picking his spots to drive really well. And if that's like, if Maxi's in this sort of like more explosive young Lou Williams role, like we don't need a Jordan Clarkson or a Lou Williams kind of guy if at the trade deadline, which is what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, if Maxi's going to kind of serve that purpose, but also be able to finish games. Yeah, I, I think the biggest need for us right now is it's, it's, it's just backup center. And I think I mean, obviously, you can never have enough wings. Um, I think. Our issue is going to be stopping, you know, the elite wings in this league, the the, the Tatum's and the and the Browns. I think that's my only concern when it comes to playoffs. I mean, we saw like Zach Levine give us forty one last week. Um, that perimeter defense is going to be an issue. Um, so I, I think we're just gonna have to win with our offense. Um, the one thing I will say is that our transition defense appears to be getting better. We're you know nineteenth in transition. At one point we were twenty eighth. So I'm I'm really proud about that. Um, even though I mean I'm. I don't know if we're playing teams lately who can really crush us in transition. I mean, the Clippers aren't that. So, um, no, <laughs> no, it's like the Clippers have like two or three guys that want to push. And then the rest of the team is like, nope, don't not interested. <laughs> it's like, it's like Kawhi is just like, I'm not interested in really pushing, man. Like but, Kawhi was really great last night. It was pretty impressive to watch him. But like, you he, know, even down the stretch, I mean, like there were, there were moments where I think there was a possession where Harton was guarding Kawhi and, you know, forced them into a brick. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think that's one thing I can say about Harden recently is that he he stepped up his defense in key moments. <laughs> yeah, and he can be tested, and he and he'll he'll like rise to the occasion when 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 like he feels like something's coming up. So I wanted to ask you a little bit, you know, like as we're heading into All Stars in about two three weeks, we're heading into sort of the trade deadline period. Uh, the Sixers have now kind of like put themselves in top 10 in offensive defensive rating, which is a really nice title contender metric, although not always it's not um, like every single year. But like it's a good if you want your team to be good, that's those are two good you know uh, places to be. And then they've now got themselves into third as Brooklyn starts to falter a little bit. They're, they're actually within spitting distance of Milwaukee in the second seed. Do you think that this is a sustainable regular season pace? And how 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 much do you think the Sixers should be worried about seeding, I guess, is my question. I don't know if we should necessarily be worried about seeding. Um, my biggest thing is that I want this team to be healthy. Um, and yeah. I, I think we've gotten... I think, for the most part, all NBA teams have gotten to that place. I think... Because at the end of the day, it's just like... As long as you're not the eighth seed and you have to, you know... Or seventh for AC, and you got to worry about facing the Celtics or the Bucks in the first round. I think you're in a good place as long as you're healthy. Now, I mean that second round. I mean, right now we're in the third seed. The Bucks are, are second. If we were to face the Bucks in the second round, I, I I don't know if that's a matchup that we're particularly terrified of. I mean, I think you know obviously it is the Bucks, and they have Giannis, but I I think that's a that's a series that we can win. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just like I, I just think I want this team to be healthy more. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah, I want I I, I I think a top three seed would be validating. 
I think as long as it's top four and we don't have to play on the road in game sevens the entire playoffs, that would be great. Yeah. But, you know, the playoffs are going to be a completely new season for this team. I mean, like, they've got so many ghosts following them around from the past few. That's the thing that's kind of lingering. I think the cloud that's, like, following them beat around a little bit now is, like, he's obviously an MVP caliber player. He's obviously one of the greatest Sixers to ever play, like a top three or four Sixer ever. Like, it's really just, like, what can you do in the playoffs and can you get out of that second round? Yeah. I mean, I mean, a large part of it, uh, of course, is just it's health. I mean, we haven't had. I don't remember last time we've been healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's it's really been like probably since 2019 against the Raptors. That's the last time we were truly healthy, and even in that series, MB got sick. <laughs> well. Reem, if if, you, if you're good here, we can wrap it up, man. I mean, that, this has been a cool, cool little road trip so far. Blazers on Thursday, which feels like a little bit of a trap game, but we'll see. And then Kings on Saturday, which should be pretty interesting because the Kings have been on it on such a tear, and that 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 could be a real shootout in Sacramento. Yeah, I'm. I, I do. Th- the thing is, I'm, I'm not really that concerned with Portland, um, unless we don't show up. I think that's. That's a that's a winnable game just because I mean Portland's offense right now is it's a complete mess. Now the yeah. Kings, I mean the Kings, we all know that they have a top tier offense, but they don't defend. So like you said, that can be like a, a real shootout. Um, it's just a matter of do we want to show up for for these games? I expect us to be favored in in both of those games. So, um, but we got an interesting schedule coming up. I'm like I'm really excited for next Saturday. Um, yeah. Oh, what's next Saturday? Well, the following Saturday after this one, actually, we got Denver versus um, the, the Sixers, and we could finally see an Embiid-Jokic match. Yeah, if we, when, when is, don't Embiid and Jokic keep missing each other? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think we've had one in the last three years. <laughs> That's crazy, man. The NBA is so weird. I just feel like you imagine if like Mahomes and Allen only played like one out of every three times. So, Cliff, you mentioned they played last year. Did they play – wait, Cliff? So- Outside, so you know how they play twice a year, right? Yeah. It was it was a like a cold winter night. Denver came into Philly. It was a hype. It was like a Monday night. I remember. Yeah, I remember that game. It was a hyped up. And Bones Highland went off on the six. That's what I recall from it. And Jokic had a good game, if I'm not mistaken, too. I think he had like 25 or 27, something in that range. And the Nuggets came out and won the game. Yeah, the Sixers were up double digits in that first half and completely melted melted down. Um, I think I remember. I think I think that's what I remember. There's like there's some real tests coming up because I I mean for as much as a West Coast trip is a test, like Brooklyn at home even without KD will be like a, a little bit of a grudge match. Denver, the Jokic versus Embiid, and then our February to March, like the like the early February to early March, is a real gauntlet. A lot of really good teams. So like we'll find out who we are in the East. I think in that in that month of February. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, honestly, uh, the big thing for me is just stay healthy, continue to build on this momentum. I, I really want to. I, I really hope the bench unit continues to perform as well as it does with Maxi leading the second unit, just because so much of our struggles throughout the entire MB era has been the nine MB minutes. So if we can continue to just whole serve there, I'm I'm really excited for what this team can do in the postseason. Me too. We'll be back next week to chat about it. Probably come come to you after the Nets game, I would imagine, probably next Thursday. Um, so a couple more basketball games to check out this week. Hope everybody's doing good. Check out Sheila and Ben. 
all week on uh, Eagles Giants, which is coming up. Uh, and uh, Raheem, good luck against the Niners, I guess. I, I, honestly, I mean, the Cowboys are going to win that game, and I think I'm gonna like I'm gonna tell um, Ben and Shield that I'm hopping going for the Eagles Cowboys NFC Championship game podcast because. <laughs> I think it's happening. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know if America is ready for that to happen, much less this podcast feed. Thanks to Cliff for producing. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.